Welcome to the Spirituality of Strength Training with your host, Anna Willard. This podcast is dedicated to bring you knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, and guidance to wherever you may be on your health journey. For those who are new to me, I am a kettlebell strength coach, a movement nerd ninja, and an empowerment coach on a mission to bring you hope through our health. The root word of health comes from wholeness. The root word of wholeness comes from holy. Despite our differences with religion and spiritual beliefs, we are all human beings with a body that is designed to reflect this holiness through our health. It wasn't until my seventh year as a health profession where I went into a deep awakening of understanding what does it mean to train my spirit and to heal my spirit through the physical. You'll hear a little bit more about my story from other health professionals, from strength coaches, psychiatrists, spiritual gurus and leaders, to other people who talk about the importance of our health as a community body and the health of our planet as well. This podcast is to allow us to step into our whole health, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you for being here. If you love what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe. If you want more inspiration and quotes from these podcasts, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram at Anna underscore Willard underscore. I encourage you to do a little bit of a movement, either yoga flow, go for a walk, sit in nature as you enjoy this episode. Hey, Strong Ones, we have Angela Glass on the show with us today. She started her yoga practice back in 2012 from a chronic back injury, which I'm excited to hear about her story with that. But before we dive into her story, she has her 500 yoga teacher training certification, and she studied in India twice with the Ayurvedic yoga practice. So she'll explain a little bit more about that. What I love about Angela is that she teaches with a Midwest heart, but a West Coast soul. And when she's not teaching uh, yoga practice and the Ayurvedic practice, you can find her hiking or cooking or just enjoying the simplicities of her dog. Angela, (laughs) welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Now, um, I love stories and Mm -hmm. I our bodies carry our stories. And I'm so, I remember when we first met at the beginning, was it the beginning of the year or the, like the holiday season? I think like, yeah, the holiday season. Yeah. Um, you shared your story of how an injury brought you to this type of lifestyle. Do you mind sharing a little bit more of how that injury brought you to yoga and how you're kind of maybe resistant to yoga in this type of practice? Yeah. Um, So I guess it started when I was pretty young. Um, I had chronic back pain as a child. I went to a chiropractor often. I was also diagnosed with depression very young, just from some family trauma. And I never, I was never given the tools to learn how to handle it. So I, I was a very 
um, angry, irritable human being <laughs> for, you know, my teen years well into college. Um, I didn't like people very much. I played it off. You wouldn't know, but I had like this, this anger inside. And, and my body always hurt. My digestion was poor and my back just always hurt no matter what I did. And so some way, somehow in beginning of college, I was probably 19 or 20 years old, someone dragged me to a yoga class and I hated it. I hated it so much because it was the first time I was left alone with my thoughts and, you know, I was comparing myself to all the other girls. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't think I was like fat, but I was soft and I was just like, ah, you know, I hated seeing myself in the mirrors and I just wanted to run away so bad. Um, But I ended up going back because I had bought a package and I was a cheap college student. So I was going to get my money's worth. Right. And the more I went, the more I started to realize that my back was starting to feel better. And I had specifically in college, I had extreme anxiety. Not a, well, anxiety, but also insomnia. So I had a really hard mm. time sleeping mm-hmm. and I was starting to sleep better. So I just kept going because even though I didn't have much self-awareness, I knew there are parts of me that were changing and I was mm. feeling better. Yeah. So that's what just kept you going. It was just the fact of this concept of better is better. And- yeah. And I think when... I had been going for like a year and a half straight. I was going to yoga a couple days a week. And one day, one of the teachers, so I was doing college yoga. So the students were actually teaching other students in a a big gym setting. She asked if I would be interested in auditioning to be a teacher. And I swear to you, I like looked behind me like she was talking to someone else. (laughs) What? Like, I have no training. I don't know what I'm doing. But she's like, no, you're here. You're consistent. And so I did this little training through the gym, um, started teaching, and I think that's the first time I felt self-confidence. So I'd have these rooms filled with 40, 50 people and like football players and basketball players all like listening to me. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So yeah, I kept doing it. And I didn't even know about the eight limbs or any of the spiritual aspects of yoga until the like fitness facility had a yoga professor come in and talk to us about more of yoga. She studied in India. So she talked about the eight limbs and the spiritual spirituality and then uh, philosophy. And it blew my mind. And I was like, I just need to know more. Like, I didn't know how it was going to fix me, but it was more for me than anyone. Mm, but mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to India. Mm. Interesting. Can you quickly just um, for the listeners, for those who may not know the eight limbs of yoga. Can you just run us through what those are? Yeah. Um, So they are the yamas, niyamas, oh gosh, asana, or yeah, asana, pranayama, pratahara, and I'll say what they are in a moment, Uh, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. Yeah. Everybody, you have a quiz on this? Yeah. But the yamas are um, really just how we, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, how we practice, um, not self-care, but just how we live in the external world. So I kind of, a lot of people are more familiar with the the Ten Commandments, right? You've heard Mm. of those. So it's kind of 
like be nice to people. Don't mm. cheat on your spouse. Don't kill anyone. Like it's those kind of things. And then we get into the niyamas, which are more our internal disciplines. So like cleanliness, um, like mindfulness, practicing what they call brahmachara, which is abstinence, but that's not everyone again takes that to mm. sex usually, but it's yeah. not necessarily that. It's just that mindfulness of not um, overindulging in anything. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And then asana is our physical yoga practice, what most people recognize as yoga. Right. And then we have pranayama, which is just our breathing. Pratahara is the withdrawal of the senses. So that's where we really do practice mindfulness when we start to tune out the external world and kind of observe where we are physically and mentally. And then we have um, dharana, which is, this can get confusing. This is where our mind starts to focus on a single point. And this just helps us with our concentration. Mm -hmm. And then we have dhyana, which is more, this gets a little esoteric, but right, first our mind is focusing. We draw inward, we focus, and then we try not to think of anything at all. Uh Uh-huh. And then we get to samadhi, which is like the final limb, and that's our state of pure bliss. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah. Cool. Um, now, why, what drew, so that was your story of what got you into yoga. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the difference, or if there is a difference, mm-hmm. with Ayurveda yoga and that type of practice and like the branches um, of knowledge that Ayurveda offers? Yeah. So, and, and am I saying that right? Uh, Ayurveda. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. It's like Making R. Sure. <laughs> Ayurveda. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um. So Ayurveda is the thing that everything is encompassed in. So Ayurveda is known as the sister science or the medical side of yoga. It teaches okay. us preventative health. It teaches us more about our own unique body type and how we can stay healthy, happy, and balanced. Mm. So now yoga is actually just a tool in Ayurveda to help keep your body and mind happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. But Ayurveda is just, it's so big. And you could dump any, like all of the traditional um, types of yoga into it. And they all oh, serve okay. a different purpose. So like right now, um, are you, you're yoga certified, right? I am not. Oh. Which is crazy. I know. Everyone's like, you're such a yogi. I'm like, I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't done it yet. (laughs) It's on on the list to do. You'll you'll get there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But in the yoga world right now, there's a big thing about yoga therapy. Um, That's, you cannot, you have to have a very specific education to say you're offering yoga therapy. Mm -hmm. It's more medical. But in Ayurveda, it's always been referred to as yoga therapy. It's been done not as an exercise, but as a way to to heal the body. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, isn't so, because there's like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's specific studies that you can go into with Ayurveda of just like, just the movement, nutrition, and isn't there like an astrology aspect to it as well or is it all clumped together 
It's all clumped together. It all goes hand in hand. So when I do Ayurvedic consultations, I do everything. So I don't do the astrology that is more, I guess it can be a separate thing. Uh But like when I do consultations, we talk about everything, digestion, food, their exercise, their daily habits, Mm -hmm. um, all of that mindfulness, you know, how they feel emotionally and spiritually every day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, now the doshas, mm-hmm. can you first explain what dosha is? And then there's, is it three or four different things that go off of that? Is that right? There, there are or three, do- there are three doshas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the dosha? Yeah. And then what are those three types? Yeah. Um, the doshas are, you can ref- they're referred to as the Ayurvedic body types or Ayurvedic energies or mm. Ayurvedic archetypes. Okay. So the three doshas are vata, pitta, and kapha. And so each of these doshas are comprised of a combination of the five elements, which are air, space, fire, water, and earth. So the vata dosha is air and space. And so if we are experiencing a vata imbalance, or maybe we have more of that vata energy within us. Um, Just think of those elements. We might feel, be more prone to being spacey or scattered within the mind. Mm. You think of wind, right? Air, it's this moving energy that is not consistent. It's all over the place, Mm -hmm. which can make us feel anxious. Um, Vata dominant people are more prone to bloating. So Mm. again, that air in the belly. Right. Air is also very drying, so they'll be prone to drier skin, drier hair, creaky, cracky joints. Um, and each body type has like a particular structure, but we are a combination of all three. So we won't be exactly like the perfect example of a vata, pitta, or kapha, but we'll have traits of them. Traits of them. So vatas are usually either very tall or very short. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be lengthy, long fingers, um, thinner, drier hair, pointier noses, smaller eyes, and usually darker hair. But again, it can vary because we're a combination of everything. Right. But that would be a textbook example of a Vata dominant person. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And then um, Pitta is fire and water. Uh And pitta is predominantly um, fire. So people that are either experiencing, I'm sorry, yeah, pitta. Mm -hmm. Pitta people are um, usually a little fiery. So they've got a lot of passion. They've got a lot of drive. If they're in balance, they can have a lot of ego. But they're also very good at talking precisely. They have a lot of self-confidence. They will be more prone to heartburn and just inflammation in the body. They are more prone to graying and then early balding. Don't hmm. freak out if you're people are. Always I know. Like, I'm like, what am I? What <laughs> I'm am a pitta. What? Don't tell me yeah. that. <laughs> but again, we're a combination. So right, just right, be right, right. <laughs> Um, But that's just yeah, the way it is. And they usually have more of a medium built, and they um, are the ones that are usually a little more well defined, where you can see their muscles, like where other. People are like, how can that person just eat everything and then be so skinny? But it's because they have all that fire that's metabolizing everything yeah. so quickly. 
yeah, people ask and me I've, about my nutrition and I'm just like, well, I just, I've always been able to eat everything. Uh, you're one of those. I'm one of those, but <laughs> my stomach, I do have a little, what is it? Vita, Vita with the Vata? Um, congestion. Oh, um, kapha. Kapha, one of those. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've had to tailor my nutrition a little bit because it's because of the inflammation, but okay. growing up, I could eat anything and all things and I could uh-huh. still like fit in a size zero. I mean, that was just me growing up. That was just the body type that I had. So it's interesting how accurate this stuff is when I took the quiz um, and what you're saying. Um, and we'll get to how people can find out their types after you explain them all, but I want to yeah. keep going. Um, so then the last body type is kapha, and kapha is earth and water. So again, imagine these elements in your body. And I always like to imagine kapha, um, earth and water mixing together, you get mud. So it's this very sticky and heavy consistency. Um, those that are kapha dominant are more prone to congestion. They're prone to mental attachment to people, places, and things. Um, their body structure tends to be bigger boned. Um, they are more. They gain weight more easily. They can also, you know, not eat all day and then eat something and gain weight super easily. And people are like, "Oh, I don't want to be kapha," but I always. Again, it's not. People put themselves in boxes, and while this kind of helps us see where we lie. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't put ourselves in those boxes mm-hmm. because Ayurveda and yoga also give us the tools to stay in balance. Yeah, it sucks, but all of the all of the doshas have their pros and cons. Right. But kaphas are so grounded and they're stable and steady and they're mm-hmm. very nurturing and loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because they have a bigger body frame, that doesn't necessarily mean fat, which I think right. a lot of people think. They can just literally have a bigger bone structure. Right. Yeah. My question was going to go to that aspect. I mean, we live in a culture where media portrays a certain image for us mm-hmm. to be healthy. Um, how have you helped people who may lie more heavily in the kapha realm of those three types of how to view their body type to be healthy? That is a great question. Um, so you know, we focus on the positive. Uh-huh. And the thing with kaphas is, and people, I've heard people say this before, if you're watching a marathon, I feel like they're always happening in Seattle. Yeah. But you'll see bigger people running and someone's like, how is that person doing that? The thing with kapha is, they get stuck and they need a little kick in the pants to get going, right? They just need that motivation, a little fire, Uh but they are so strong. Kapha people Mm. are the ones that can keep going and going and going and they will, right? They need a little fire to get going, but they'll, they'll beat you, right? If you're going to go full blast right away, they're going to be the ones that are consistent and make it all the way through. Is that going to their that concept of them being so grounded, like once they're set into something, they're grounded into it and they just have that consistency of it. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Now, how does, I think we talked about this last time, how yoga movements, your classes that you have online, they're directly towards more of these three 
types of doshas. Is that right? Yep. So can you explain a little bit more um, of how these classes are tailored to these types of doshas and when would be the right time for people to take those types of classes, even if they're higher in a certain archetype? Yeah. So the biggest thing, and we hear this word all the time now, is mindfulness. Yes. So if you just think of those elements and generally the qualities that they hold, right, you're going to start to be more aware of when you're imbalanced in one or the other. And that's when you'd want to do the exercise, either the yoga class or some other type of exercise to balance. Mm -hmm. So Again, when we are experiencing a vata imbalance, which the majority of society is experiencing because it's that moving energy, that sporadic energy. And with social media and people always trying to multitask, literally everybody is experiencing a vata imbalance. And those, what were the elements for that one? For vata, it's air and space. Air and space. Yeah. Okay. So vata people or those that are experiencing a vata imbalance need to slow down. Mm -hmm. They need to stay close to the earth. And it doesn't mean they can't build strength, Mm -hmm. right? They can still build heat and strength, but it's finding just that that stillness, right? Letting yourself be still for at least a couple breaths. And Mm -hmm. when we do yoga, we focus on really marinating in the poses and it's usually the body can stay there. It's the mind that wants to run away. <laughs> now, is that just because of kind of that wind aspect that you were talking about of just like the constant change and there's always something to be doing within business or in life? And that's where the mind is constantly going where it's hard to quiet it sometimes within the body? Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, it's mainly the mind and what often happens, like when I do consultations, I feel like a lot of my consultations recently have been just burnout. Mm-hmm. So this can be vata and pitta where it's, you go, 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 and you deplete yeah. the body and deplete the adrenals and the immune system. So it really is finding that stillness and eating. Again, people are really into raw foods and like they think that's healthy, but that can actually do worse for your body if it can't properly digest those mm-hmm. raw vegetables. Mm-hmm. So those that are, again, vata dominant and vata imbalance have the hardest time digesting those. It will just create indigestion, bloating, constipation. Yeah. So I have a couple questions. Yeah. Um, I want to keep going into like um, the different types of movements that you mm-hmm. have for the those three archetypes. You talked a lot about the vita, is that right? Vata. Vata, vata. I'm learning these words. <laughs> vata. Um, so let's continue talking about the movements for the pitta and the kapha. And then um, where people could possibly take a quiz. Do you have a quiz online? Yep. On your website? Okay. Yep. So we'll just say it right now, for those who are listening who want to know more about these three types of architects and see what one is a little bit more dominant within your body, um, Angela has a quiz on her website, so I'll make sure that's in the show notes. I took my quiz and then um, mainly Pitta. So mm-hmm. I, I love what you have to say about the movement with the Pitta, which is more of the fire and the water. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, 
So pittas, again, fire, um, right? Just fire is hot. It's sharp. Mm -hmm. Um, People that are pitta dominant can be more competitive and they really like to move and flow. And what's happening though is when they're always doing this, they're building up that fire in their body, which they already have, which already is dominant. Mm. So when we keep building that fire again, we're going to literally burn out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that Pitta can't do those competitive exercises or things that are more intense. They can do those, but they should just make sure that there's balance. So the yoga class that we or that I offer is more of a yin and restorative, which just means we stay close to the earth again, and we are passive in our poses. So we work a lot on just restoring the body and then also using these passive poses um, and just the amount of time we spend in them to move past the muscles and really get into the connective tissue and the ligaments and all of those other parts that we don't get into with just a regular exercise routine. Mm And then the mental focus there too is that cooling energy and trying not to perfect the pose, uh-huh. just, just to be rather than do. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I'm working through. Really? That stuff. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> and it's interesting uh. because I've noticed with the kettlebell work, there's some days where I'm like, I just need to do groundwork and one of my favorite exercises what I call is just the roll to press so it's part of the Turkish getup but it's the first very very first movement where you're Mm -hmm. on your side and you just roll and press the bell up but you're still laying on the floor you're not doing anything Mm -hmm. you're just holding that kettlebell and there's a lot of times where I'm like I just need to be there that's all I need to do is just roll on the ground with the kettlebell and so I find it fascinating how I'm more pitta and how my body's like craving more of that yin yeah. movement, what you're just describing of just being super grounded and close to our earth. Um, so how can you help, or is there a way for people to kind of tune into understanding that body intuition of knowing what type of movement they need with their archetypes? Yeah. Should I, should I talk about kapha first yeah, and sorry, then I'll go in ahead. It's all right. Well, yeah. Explain kapha and then we'll okay. get to that. Yeah. So kapha again is earth and water. And as I was saying, they are the ones that are more prone to getting stuck. And then this again can happen to any of us, whether we're dominant in this body type or not. Like for example, in winter, we all get more kapha dominant because we want to Netflix and chill. And think about when you are on the couch, right? And you're laying there for a while, how hard it is to get up, right? You just kind of get stuck there. You need to find that fire or that motivation to move. So Kapha, their yoga practice is more of a vinyasa style, which is a lot of up and down, a lot of strength building and just general movement. So thinking of bringing in more fire and more air to create lightness. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also do like in our yoga practice for Kapha, uh, a lot of heart and chest opening since they are more prone to congestion in the chest throat and head oh interesting yeah um so we'll go back to my original question and I have more questions about these um, (laughs) types um but how can someone 
be in tuned with their body and those types that you just described with knowing what type of movement they need. Um, and you mentioned how like we have all three of them. It's just some are more dominant than others. Um, so how can someone tune into what they really need with those archetypes? Um, that is a great question. So I'll start with just the seasons. The seasons okay, were all, um, will all fluctuate. Mm-hmm. So fall is Vata season when we see, you know, everything starts to dry up. It becomes more blustery and cold outside. So there's um, lack of consistency, I guess, and the weather is changing. You know, in fall, we'll have like these bright sunny days and they'll be gross right. and rainy and yeah. up and down. So we'll, we'll feel that, you know, so start to pay attention to what your body and mind is feeling. And so if you are just feeling, I know, I guess not everyone can see me, but right, that general tension of clenching the shoulders up to the ears or just kind of trying to draw inward, Mm -hmm. that can be vata energy, that more nervous feeling. Mm. So if you're feeling that, right, you want to be grounded. And we all tend to feel that a little more during the fall or we just start to feel colder. Um, So we want to be able to ground and create heat. Um, notice what's happening in your life. Again, are you trying to do like a million things at once? Because you are creating more of that vata energy. So that would be a great time to come and or to find stillness in your own home, whether it's your yoga practice or just maybe you find a seated meditation and just breathe Mm -hmm. for one minute. Um, And then, so talking about the seasons, pitta, summer is pitta season um, because we have more sun, we have more fire. And also this is when we all get so excited, especially living in Seattle. Yes. We're like, what is this? (laughs) The sunshine. Yeah. Everybody is going, going, going. Um, And then out in the sun, you're just cultivating so much heat. So notice again, how your body and mind is feeling Mm -hmm. Um, and just making sure you're not overheating the body and the mind, right? Mm-hmm. Finding that that balance. And then this can also happen, maybe you're irritated with someone at work, noticing these pieces in your everyday life. So we can get that mental fire or that agitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a good idea. Like if we are really angry about something at work, and we're like, oh, I'll leave like that. And then we go do like a hot yoga class, power vinyasa. We're creating even more fire. We're going to become even more irritated. So sometimes like you, can I say, get the wiggles out, right? Yeah. If you need to move a little, get the wiggles out, but then allow yourself to slow good. down and yeah. down. I worked with kids for a long time. That's great. <laughs> the wiggles. <laughs> so would that be like a good time, um, I guess, to go for a walk versus like a hard workout or something like that, that still some movement, but it's not that high intensity work movement where you're building that fire. Yeah. That's a perfect example. Yeah. Okay. Getting the wiggles out that way. Get the wiggles out. (laughs) Yeah. Go for a walk in nature. That's also very grounding and cooling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And now Kafa. Kapha season is usually winter when it's wet and damp and cold and heavy, right? And that's when we tend to watch more TV. We hunker down and kind of nest. So we all get a little more of that 
heavy energy. So just noticing when you are feeling heavy. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference between when your body actually needs that rest and we're just being lazy. Mm. And the best way I can describe this is through sound effects. <laughs> so, so when we are depleted, that's more of a vata imbalance. That's when we are like, I am dead. I can't move. Like I'm just right. We, that feeling of just being totally wiped mm-hmm. and more of that kapha imbalance is kind of like when you're on the couch and you like kick your foot out and you're like, but I don't want to, like, <laughs> like uh, but you can, right. You can, right. Like your body physically can do that. You are just being lazy. Uh-huh. So, you know, it takes some time for people to realize or figure out the difference between the two, but right. Hopefully this will help them <laughs> kind of see yeah. where they're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can see kapha imbalances in our day-to-day life if we are sedentary in our jobs. You know, if we're sitting all day, that can just make us a little more kapha. Um, the foods we're eating, if we're not eating healthy, right, They those foods can weigh us down. But just trying to find general movement any way you can. So even if it's going for a 10 minute walk on your lunch break just to get the blood flowing. And again, think of getting unstuck if you feel stuck in your body or even in your mind. Mm-hmm. So with that, so with Kafa, cause you mentioned earlier how like the, these type of people um, can run marathons and that type of thing. They need a little bit of that fire and that mm-hmm. motivation what would that be a good time to have like a almost kind of like a hit workout where it's like short, sweet, but high intensity type of thing to get things moving? Or is that too much? Where's the balance with that? Well, I think it depends on the person. Again, since we're combination, just being aware. And I'm not saying like all kafas are like, oh, I can go run a marathon now. Right. right? So it's still like getting (laughs) in shape if they are not taking, they haven't been taking care of their body. Right. But I think that would be a great exercise. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, food. There's a lot of different things that go into all of this. Cause you mentioned, um, how was it? The Vata has a little bit more tendency to have that, um, bloating aspect to the body. What foods are more, are there certain type of foods that are help with the type of archetypes? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, there is a list and you can even find it on my website uh-huh. of different food groups that are different types of foods that are good for each dosha. But again, don't put yourself in a box because yeah. it might not work for you. Mm-hmm. So I always like to say, um, think more of the temperature and the texture and the weight of the food or the qualities of the food. So vata, because vata is already light and dry and mobile, raw vegetables are very rough, right? They're very dry and mm-hmm. they're cold already. Mm-hmm. So vata is lacking that digestive fire to properly digest those. So if there's not enough fire to cook those raw veggies, mm-hmm. um, what's going to happen is it's going to create gas or bloating and even mm-hmm. constipation. So it's best for kapha to cook their foods. And because they're lighter in nature, like root vegetables are great for vata because they're more grounding, they're more earthy, 
mm-hmm. um, adding lots of spices to their food because spices are going to stimulate the digestion and mm-hmm. help with that. Right. Um, um, cooking with a little bit of oil. Vata does best with sesame oil or ghee because again, that dry quality, it's going to mm-hmm. give it a little lubrication to help um, more easily digest. And then also when we can easily digest our food, that means it's going to go to all the right places. Mm-hmm. We could eat all of these great raw veggies, but if our body's not digesting it, like what it's not pushing out, like mm-hmm. what it doesn't need for nutrients, it starts to turn into toxins in our body. So mm-hmm. it does our body right. worse than good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I covered it for vata. Does that make sense? For yeah, me? it does. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now Pitta's got all of that fire. Yeah. Um, so they are pretty good at digesting everything, but when they are imbalanced, um, their digest- digestive fire can be too high. So that means they might be a little more prone to diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And so they have to be careful with um, usually avoiding spicier foods. Mm-hmm. Um, they can still cook their foods, but they are the dosha that does or is usually able to eat raw vegetables and. Mm-hmm digest them easier. Mm-hmm. But in general, um, yeah, they should be eating still heavier foods because they tend to be lighter and more mobile in nature. So that will help ground them. But foods that are more cooling in nature, like cucumbers and cilantro and um, you know, coconut water or coconut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just speaking as a pitta dominant, it's funny because I'll just snack on just just raw celery and cucumbers throughout the day. Like that's my go-to. And sometimes clients are like, that's it? That's all, you're, that's all you eat? Nothing with it? I was like, yeah, it's fine. And you're like totally fine yeah, digesting it? Yeah, it's totally fine. Like I, I need that, I, I guess what how you say it, that cooling aspect. Yeah. Um, if I add anything to it, it's almost too acidic for my stomach. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's just interesting the dynamics of that yeah Um, anything more with the pitta let me think that's good for the general yeah Yeah. overview yeah Yeah. and And kapha yeah um so kapha to balance that how those heavier qualities and kapha also is more prone to being cold or moist Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to still cook the foods and again you can use a little bit of oil but trying to avoid oil as you can. Um, eating lighter vegetables such as leafy greens, still cooking with spices because kapha, they will be regular with their digestion, but they can still be more prone to constipation or just that heaviness in mm-hmm. the belly because um, their digestive fire is still low, just like vatas. Mm-hmm. So spices and cooked foods is going to help everything properly digest. Um, and again, just more warming foods in general. Um, I'm trying to think of, I can't think of like foods right now. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think like, oh, like broccoli, broccoli is lighter in nature. We're oh. like for vata, right? We always, I feel like as a kid, maybe we talked about this, like broccoli makes you fart, <laughs> right? Just because it's, it's more, yeah. um, what is that word? Cur, curse. Not cruciferous is maybe that's it, but just it has this drier and lighter quality. So Mm -hmm. vata can have a harder time digesting it, but that will be good for vata because it's not as heavy. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. 
Um, going back to the seasons, we've went over fall, summer, and winter. What happens um, in the springtime? So that's like the time of like blooming and new beginnings within nature. How do these three doshas intertwine with springtime? Ooh, good question. This always gets really confusing for people. And um, I've also seen like different Ayurvedic practitioners have different beliefs on it. Oh, okay. So what, what I was taught is that spring is usually kapha season as well. Oh, interesting. Because we start to melt from the winter, right? Think mm. if we get really heavy and like our body is kind of like this heavy iceberg that just gets stuck during the winter. In the spring, we start to melt and we're more prone to allergies. Yeah. Um, so congestion, that's a kapha imbalance. But we might also see pitta in spring, depending where you are in the world, right? Depending on how much we see the sun or how much heat comes out. Like in Seattle, it's usually still pretty rainy and more of that kapha energy. But if you'd go somewhere else, you might see more of that sunshine and more heat. So you could also say it's pitta season. Interesting. Yeah. Um, do those, like in the summertime, do pittas, like those people who have like a higher or more dominant dosha, do they feel like they become more alive during those seasons that those are correlated with? I have seen both. So some people do well, right? Uh -huh. But some people become super irritated. Like they're just irritated by the heat. They become very aggravated and can't right. yeah. handle it. Uh -huh. um, and it's funny, there are some people, because like increases like, so they like that feeling of just getting so hot and fiery. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say it necessarily serves them, mm. right? It's just mm -hmm. still making sure they maintain that balance. They can still love it, but just checks and balances, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep yeah. Being aware. Is that true with like the fall and the winter with the kapha and the vata? Yeah. I mean, kapha does love, yeah, that stillness. Like pitta mm -hmm. loves the intensity. Kapha mm -hmm. loves the stillness. And vata loves, has that excited mobile energy, you know, likes to move from one thing to the other. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I said this before, but vatas, like their personality, they tend to be more creative. So they're the artists and the mm -hmm. singers and the actors. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're bouncing from one idea to the next. Right. Right. So. <laughs> I'm Vata. I, ne I never run uh, out of ideas. That's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> so this is kind of going, it's still a health type of question, but mm -hmm. have you found with the people that you work with, their relationships, they either attract a different type of dosha that's more dominant in the other person? That's all over the map. I've oh, okay. actually tried to just like through my own friends and family, right. just see if there is any pattern. And then I actually asked my Ayurvedic teacher and he's like, no, it doesn't make a difference. Oh, okay. Like some, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I can see where they, one would balance the other out. And I have seen some cu couples, like especially right. people that I've been working with for years and they're really aware now of all the doshas right and they'll say you know my husband is this so it's good because it grounds me and mm -hmm. so there 
it's cool to see them be aware of all of these and use it in their relationships. Right. But you haven't seen like one attracts more of the other. Like, no. Okay. I was just curious yeah. if that, that was a thing or not. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll do, this is more, I've done a, I, I guess it's not even a study. It's more observations, but maybe one day I'll do a more formal study. Yeah. <laughs> hey, patterns teach us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, anything else that you would want to share? I feel like we covered a lot of the, the doshas. Anything else? Um, I think just with relationships, I think that was a great point. I've had a lot of people ask me about this and like actually wanting me to come to their office offices and like talk to their community about uh-huh. the dosha personalities and how to relate to one another. Mm-hmm. But I haven't figured out how to, I think for the general population still, they'll be like, what? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but what we can do is be more mindful when we know about the doshas, mm-hmm. we can better communicate with not only our own partner, friends, family, and coworker, or we can communicate well with all of them mm-hmm. because we can just accept that that's the way they are. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, Vatas can be more sensitive emotionally mm-hmm. and pittas are more direct and precise with their language and they can, can I swear? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah. They can be like, seem like an asshole, uh-huh. right? Okay. Where, you know, they're not meaning to, it's just, they're just very direct. That's how mm-hmm. they speak. So if a vat or a pitta says something to a vata, the vata could get all like emotional and worked up and be like, oh my God, they're so mean to me. Mm-hmm. But the pitta wasn't trying to be mean. They right. were just using direct language. Mm-hmm. Whereas vata language is like all creative and flowy and there's a lot of fluff there could be a lot of fluff words in there and that could irritate Pitta. They'd be like, right. just get to the point. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, can is there times where parts of your dosha change from one being more dominant than the other? Can they fluctuate like that? No. So we oh, have- Oh, interesting. Okay. We have what's called our Prakruti and our Vakruti. Okay. So our Prakruti is our natural state of being that is with us at the time of conception. Oh, so that's the, um, I guess, the amount of each dosha that's in us from the beginning. And that's what gives us our personality, eye color, body shape, hair uh-huh. color, all of that. And yeah. so that will never change. But our vikruti is referred to as our imbalance, which I was talking about, like what can change during the seasons mm-hmm. or if certain things are going on in our life, we might see that influx of where one is higher than the other. Got it. Yeah. So what, what are you? I am mostly vata. And uh-huh. I feel like I've always just been told vata when I've seen, when I saw Ayurvedic doctors in India, and I haven't had a reassessment, but um, I feel like I'm more kapha than I think. I always thought I was vata pitta, but I'm realizing, I mean, some of my friends will be like, no. Your pizza, and I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, like, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> That's too good. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, mostly Vata. I'm like, I'm in these business groups, and right. people will say, like, how do you, like, what do you do when you run out of ideas, or, you know, how do you get those juices flowing? And I was like, I like never have that problem. Yeah. Like, 
I have like 1 million ideas at all times. I have like several businesses going on in my head right now. (laughs) Um, For those who can relate to more of the Vata and that creative side and like what you just said of like Mm -hmm. have thousands of ideas in your head of like business, either it be business plans or um, art endeavors, whatever it may be. What advice do you have for them of not being overwhelmed or building up that anxiety of all their ideas and implementing one at, like idea at a time and taking that action versus just kind of living up in the head of I don't I don't say fluff but like that that blissfulness of ideas. Yeah. That is such a good question. I feel like a lot of people need that. Um, yeah. My thing that I do is I journal every single morning. I meditate Mm. and journal Mm -hmm. um, and my mind can wander, but I feel like just writing stuff down on paper. Mm -hmm. I also use the Trello board. Do you use that? I, I tried. Okay. I did. I just like Google too much. Okay. (laughs) I feel like it's good for Vata because it's like an Excel sheet. That's pretty. Ah. Like it's a really good way to organize all of your mm-hmm. information in a less pitta fashion. Got it. So I have, uh, for those of you that don't know what it is, you can just Google it. It's free. Uh-huh. It's, you can create these boards and you can create as many as you want and they have right. tabs and you can make lists that go into them. So I have a couple boards that are like for my membership site, it says my brain dump. Or I'll categorize everything when I come up with ideas. There's a meditation section. All my ideas I have for meditation, yoga classes, all of my ideas. Um, mm. So I've I've gotten it organized, but I have a place to dump it all, so I'm not just holding it in my right. Mind. Um, and sometimes when I don't want to forget it, it's easy as writing it on your hand until <laughs> yeah. until I get to the Trello board. <laughs> That's too good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, anything else that you would like to share with the listener about dosha and yoga? Uh, one final thing is just don't put yourself in that box. Mm. You can take the dosha test. And on the website, there's also more information on each dosha, on the nutrition, so you can read up on it. But I think if you take anything away, it's being aware of the qualities of each dosha and just starting to pay attention to when those are in um, excess or depletion and then going from there. Mm -hmm. And if you just remember like increases like, Mm -hmm. then to bring in the opposite qualities, whether it be through your movement, diet, or lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Now you formerly owned um, a studio. And if you don't mind sharing a little bit more of that story, how has it been for you to let go of that aspect? Mm-hmm. I know like that's another aspect of like you created that, that was a beautiful space um, and the members of there loved it. As we create things, there's also an aspect of like creating space for new things. So what, how has that transition been for you and how have you been able to allow yourself to let go, to be able to create new things in the future? 
<sighs> yeah, I've been figuring this out for <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Um, so for those of you that are new to me or the studio, um, we had the studio for three years and unfortunately it flooded twice. Yeah. Um, so we rebuilt after the first flood and it happened again. And the repairs this time are just too much and they actually don't even know if it will fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So um, trying to be smart about the situation financially right. and just for yeah. my own well-being, I decided to let the space go. Um, and it was, it was a hard decision to make because it is like your baby, right? Mm-hmm. You invested yeah. so much time and effort and money and everything into it. Yeah. Um, but I realized, you know, it is time to shift. And again, this is where I think I'm Kafa. Mm. I felt like I needed, <laughs> I would have stuck with it. I will never quit. Mm. Yeah. So I think I was feeling stuck and burnt out and I would have never let go if I didn't have this huge kick in the pants and being like, mm. leave, like this is move on. Yeah. So it's actually felt good. I have gotten, I was really scared to tell students, mm. um, but I literally received between social media and emails about a hundred like wow. beautiful responses. Like I was in tears. Like I couldn't, it made me feel really good because that's the space I wanted to create. If anything, just a community where people felt safe and felt like they belonged and anybody type could be there. And mm-hmm. I feel good because I feel like I achieved what I set out to do. And right. now it's just going to take a different form, a different shape. And hopefully now that I'm transitioning more to the online space, I can do that or help more people. Uh-huh. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, just from my own personal story um, and there's been chapters in my life of like, no, it's time to let go. And there, you know, similar, um, there was no flooding in my life, but there's been things that have been very abrupt of like, okay, we got to let that go. Um, Is there any advice that you have for people? Um, I think you made a social media post about like being stubborn and not wanting to let go, but this has been a process for you. And I can relate to that stubbornness of like, no, I'm going to stick to this. Um, how has stubbornness played as a benefit from you? Like you still have your business with the the online space. Mm -hmm. Like you're not fully, I would say not giving up on this aspect of community and the work that you're called to do. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have for people who feel like they need to let go and like dreams possibly dying, but seeing it at a different perspective of keeping their dreams alive, but allowing a different avenue to take place? I think it's that openness. So not thinking about it too hard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's something you feel like you need to let go of, again, I love, I love journaling. So just putting it in words like, okay, this is what I want, or this is where I feel like I need a change. Mm -hmm. And we don't always see how it's going to unfold, Mm -hmm. but we have to be open to that. So like, I didn't know. um, So like, you know, in the last three weeks, I decided to close the studio. I was in a bike accident and a car accident. And Mm -hmm. I was 
wreck. I was focusing so hard. I'm like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And I finally let go. I was in yoga and I was relaxed. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't trying to force it. And then it just was like, because you needed to let go, you know, and then here, and then of course my vata, like here are all the other things you (laughs) you can do. Yeah. But I think it's, everything boils down to that mindfulness and self-awareness and not necessarily pushing or forcing Mm -hmm. like that stubbornness is good because especially if you are wanting to make a change, you know, changing your habits and your lifestyle, um, there does need to be that consistency, Mm -hmm. but life is full of ebbs and flows. So sometimes we do need to pivot and that's okay. Like it doesn't mean that you're failing or you're giving up. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. This was Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, I love your knowledge with the doshas and how it entire or encompasses the seasons and the food, um, and how we're not in a box of one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just thank you for sharing your knowledge on that. Where can people find you if they want to learn more or have a session with you? Where's the best place to connect? Um, either the website, um, which you'll put in the show notes, yep. I think mm-hmm. you have. And then yep. um, social media, I have two accounts. Um, one is Ayurvedic Angela and one is Eka underscore yoga underscore Ayurveda. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure um, those are also in the show notes. Other than that, Strong Ones, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you share it out with your family and friends. Give it the five stars with the love and a comment below. Other than that, I'll be peacing out until next week.